For those of us who believe in Jesus and we believe he came from the eternal, invisible world to this temporal, visible world to tell us that if we believe in him, we'll step into that invisible, eternal world and we're gonna live forever. If we believe in him, we'll have eternal life. The most important question you can answer in life is this, who is Jesus? This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Your answer to who is Jesus determines your eternal destiny. Today, David shares powerful insights into Jesus' divinity that will help you stand firm in your faith. Here's David in part one of a message called, Who is Jesus? If you were here last week, uh, you saw Jesus in John chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through 17, heal a lame man who had been lame for 38 years. I mean, that was longer than most people in that day even lived. He couldn't walk for 38 years. Jesus sovereignly saw his condition, said, take up your pallet and walk. The man did so. And then there started the conversation among the religious legalists, who is this man? And Jesus answered that question that we'll see in just a moment, that he was the Son of God, God himself, equal with the Father, and that caused them to be very angry. Indeed, they started a movement to have Jesus killed. Uh, we see after the story was told in John 5, verses 1 through 17, these words in verse 18. Uh, this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, to kill Jesus, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So this began the charges being listed against Jesus over the next 18 months, accumulated in his death on the cross. He was basically accused of two things here. First of all, breaking the Sabbath. The Sabbath was supposed to be a day of rest, no work done on the Sabbath. So when Jesus said to the man, take up your pallet and walk, and he did so, that was breaking the, pa the, the Sabbath because the man was not supposed to work on the Sabbath and Jesus commanded him to do so. But also Jesus' healing of him was considered work by the religious legalists. So therefore he had broken the Sabbath. He was deserving of death. But the greater charge the greater reason they started persecuting him and pursuing him and making a list of all these charges that would end in death was because he blasphemed God. He said he was equal with the Father. He actually even called God my Father in verse 17. My Father is working until now, and I am working as the Father continues to work on the Sabbath to provide our every need. So Jesus said, as my Father works, so I continue to work on the Father, a clear claim to deity. Now, they got all upset by this clear claim. And what happens next in the verses we're going to look at today, it's almost like Jesus said, well, if, if you think that's a bad claim, then let me give you something really to be upset about. In the next verses, he makes 10 extraordinary claims about him being equal with the Father, him being divine, him being God himself. Now, folks, you oftentimes have people come knock on your door and they are from different cults and they make different claims about who Jesus is. You need to know what he said about himself so that you won't be swept into these false accusations regarding who Jesus is. Uh, one cult says that 
Jesus' brother was Lucifer. Can you believe that? that? That Lucifer, the created angel who fell and became Satan, the leader of the demonic hordes, was the brother of Jesus himself. It's false, it's wrong, it's not biblical. Uh, there's another group that says Jesus was an archangel on the same level as the archangel Michael, who's going to come back when Jesus returns and cast the evil one into hell forever. Jesus isn't even going to deal with Satan. He's going to ask Michael, the archangel, to do it. Jesus is the creator of everything. He lived in the invisible world to create this visible world. John 1.1, which we looked at several months ago, says, in the beginning was the Word, Jesus, capital W, and that Word was with God. Indeed, the Word was God. Jesus created everything in this world, including the angels. He couldn't possibly be an archangel. He is the creator of all the angelic beings. And then there's another group that says Jesus is just a great prophet. The problem there is Jesus never claimed just to be a great prophet. And you're going to see later on how Jesus himself said repeatedly, the prophets said of old this, but I say to you. He superseded the call of the prophets was a clear claim to deity. So as we look at these verses, realize that much of what people say about Jesus, just being a mere mortal or an archangel or the brother of Lucifer, are wrong. Jesus claimed to be God. And when he made this initial claim of equality, it's almost like he said to the group, you know what, you're buzzing about that. You're accumulating this list against me. Let me really give you something to talk about. It's almost like a courtroom scene here where Jesus claims to be God. He has his accusers who say, you can't say that. We're going to kill you. So Jesus offers even more evidence regarding who he is equal with the Father, divine in nature in every way. We Christians believe in one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Jesus being equal with the Father, Jesus being God himself. So Jesus continues his conversation with these guys in verse 18 when he says this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Then he says, okay, let me give you something really to talk about. These claims to deity, 10 separate ones that will cause your hair to stand on end. Here's what Jesus said about himself. So Jesus in verse 19 said to them, truly, truly, I say to you. Now, Jesus said this phrase, truly, truly, 40 different times in the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He's basically saying with this, I'm about to tell you the truth. In our culture today, folks, where you have so many people telling you lies regarding Jesus' brother being Lucifer, or he's just a prophet, or he's an archangel, whatever it might be, you need to hear what Jesus said himself. I'm about to tell you the truth. Forty times he used this phrase, listen up, this is very important. I'm going to tell you the actual truth about who I am. The son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. So in verse 19, Jesus makes another claim. Here's what he says. The son only does what he sees the father doing himself. It's like Jesus looking at his father, Joseph, in the carpenter shop, 
and he was an apprentice to his father and he did whatever he saw his father doing because he knew that was the right way to practice carpentry. So the son looks at the father and he only does whatever he sees the father doing. And of course the Jews are saying, how do you know what the father is doing? Because Jesus came from the father, he had a supernatural vision into heaven and could see what the father is doing and Jesus only perfectly obeyed everything the father told him to do because he and the father were inextricably connected. It's an extraordinary claim. Jesus here again is saying that he is God in human flesh. Look at verse 20. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing and greater works than these will he show him so that he that you may marvel. So Jesus again says that only what the Father is doing is what the Son does. He is only obeying everything that the Father says to do. Uh, And it's like here he's claiming how much the Father loves his Son. How beautiful this love relationship is between the Father and the Son. Again, as I've taught you in the past, why were you created? Why did God make you? It's because there was perfect love among the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then the angels were created to experience in that great love. And then Adam and Eve and you and me were created to experience that great love. As the Father loves the Son, so do the Father and the Son love you and me. We were created to enter into a love relationship with the Daddy of the universe. Now that's a message that's hard for some of you. Because what you've done is you've projected your earthly father upon the heavenly father. And your earthly father was absent, uncaring, maybe even abusive with words, maybe even physically. That so breaks my heart. And that's not what God wanted you to experience. He wanted you to have a kind, loving, earthly daddy who knew the father in heaven as his daddy and could give you the same love he received from the father in heaven to you that was God's will and sin has shattered that from happening that's why at moments of hope church we are calling men to be real men men to follow Jesus passionately and to be the kinds of fathers that their heavenly father would want them to be the father loved the son Isn't that fascinating? At Jesus' baptism, the Spirit descended upon Jesus and the Father's voice came from heaven, you are my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Now think about this. When you are born of the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit who descended upon Jesus at his baptism enters your heart. And then at that moment, you should hear from the Father in heaven, you You, Eric, you, Dan, you, Jaden, you, Jane, you, Alice, you are my beloved, loved son or daughter, and I'm so proud of you. You know, every child yearns to hear that from their earthly daddy. I'm so proud of you. There's nothing you could ever do that would separate you from me. I love you so much. And that's what the heavenly father said to Jesus, his son, he wants all of us to hear that as well. When we come to faith in him, John 1 verses 12 and 14 say that we are born again children in the kingdom of God, loved by our daddy. And interestingly, folks, Jesus often called his father in heaven, daddy. Interestingly, amazingly, we see that Jesus called God, Daddy, over and over and over again because he wanted us to know that he should be 
considered our daddy as well. When I pray, I start out, Daddy, in Jesus' name I come to you today. Because I know how much I'm loved by him through Jesus. As the Father loves the Son, and the Son only did what he saw the Father doing in heaven, so is another claim to deity in the Bible. And and Jesus then goes even farther, like, let's just really increase your conversations and accusations against me as we look at verse 21. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. Do you hear that? So, the Father is the one who raises people to life, but here Jesus said, but you know what? The Father's given me that responsibility now. I am the one used by the Father to raise people from the dead. Now, first of all, that's your dead spiritual hearts here right now. Uh, You have nothing to offer God meritoriously in your own human nature. You are dead in your sins and trespasses. Yet Jesus is the one who births his spirit in your heart and gives you the forgiveness of sins. But not only that, here is the implication that one day God the Father has given to God the Son the ability to raise everyone from the dead. It's an extraordinary claim. Jesus said clearly, One day, I'm going to have the power, first of all, to birth the Holy Spirit in your hearts, secondly, to raise every single person from the dead. Then in verse 22, he continues, the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, so that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. So here Jesus claims amazingly that all honor should belong to God the Father, the creator of everything. And so that same honor that God the Father, the creator of all, deserves is now given to his son who was sent into this world by the Father. Now, let's imagine for a second that I have a message that I want to give to someone and I can't do it, so I send my son who is in a way, the image of me as his father, my son, David, let's choose him. He goes to this person and says, here is the message my dad wants to give to you. And they kill the messenger. They kill my son because my son represents me and his words are my words. So when they kill the son, they're actually committing a huge offense against me. So I sent my son to do something here to deliver a message. So God, the Father, sent his son into this world to deliver us a message that we are hell-bound in our sin. And unless we repent, we're going to spend eternity in hell. So the Father sent his son into the world, and as you honor the Father, so should you honor the Son. Do you see the connection there? Again, a clear claim to deity that Jesus was making. Look at verse 24, truly, truly, I say to you, again, this is truth. In a non-truth culture where people believe you can believe whatever you want to believe, your subjective feelings define truth. Jesus says, truly, truly, here's the truth I say to you. Now, why is that important? Because for those religious groups that say Jesus was just a prophet, The prophets in the Old Testament would declare, thus saith the Lord, then declare the Lord's truth. Jesus, not one time in any of the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, he never says, thus saith the Lord. What does he say? But I say to you, listen, this is true, 
I say to you, it is a clear claim to deity that he's not just a strong, great prophet, nor is he just a mere mortal. He says, but I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me, there's that whole idea of the father because of love and because of our sin, sent his son into the world to forgive us of our sins. And whoever believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Do do you see what Jesus is saying here? That anyone who hears and believes the Son who was sent by the Father has eternal life. Now, dear friends, if you hear my words and believe they're true, I can't grant you eternal life. I'm a sinful man. I'm broken in so many ways. But Jesus says here so clearly, as the Father sent me into the world, and anybody who believes in me has eternal life. That is a clear claim to deity. Jesus saying, okay, you guys want to really make a list of accusations? There is yet another one that you can jot down that I claim today. Look also at the idea here that the one who believes in the Son has the gift of eternal life. Now, why is that important? Over the last year, we have lost over 500,000 Americans to the COVID crisis. It's been painful. I know some of you have lost loved ones as well. But I have said from the beginning of this pandemic, here's how you must first deal with it. Here's what you've got to do before you do anything else except Jesus. Believe in him. Believe that his gift of eternal life is for you because, folks, you've got to solve the death problem before you can enjoy the rest of your life. The major fear, psychologists have done study, that people have in their lives is the fear of death. We don't know what waits us on the other side. But for those of us who believe in Jesus and we believe he came from the eternal, invisible world to this temporal, visible world to tell us that if we believe in him, we'll step into that invisible, eternal world and we're going to live forever. If we believe in him, we'll have eternal life. Folks, once that happens, you don't fear COVID. You don't fear anything because the death problem's been solved. You have begun with the end in mind. You have the final act of your life already settled. You know you're going to heaven. You you know you're going to live there forever, and you don't have to worry about anything. Jesus claimed that if you believe in him, you have eternal life. That's only a claim that God himself could make. You're listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Coming up, David joins me in the studio to unpack his latest Davidism about how to be a lifelong learner. We'll be right back. What does the Bible tell us about the end times? The Bible is a book about soteriology, your salvation, redemption, and eternal life. David Chadwick has made an informative video called The End Time Prophecies. From Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation, God's Word is revealing facts about the times we live in, as well as the second coming of Jesus Christ. We would love to give this video to you as a resource to equip you, to help you understand the history and prophecies of the second coming found in the Old Testament. In this video, David covers the validity of Scripture, Jesus' first coming, and how we can have faith in His second coming. This video is a compelling account of the foundation of the Christian faith. 
To receive your free copy of this video, go to momentsofhopechurch.org backslash listener. Again, go to momentsofhopechurch.org backslash listener for your free copy of this informative, educational video from David Chadwick. End Time Prophecies from David Chadwick. Get yours for free today. I'm Jen Houston. Thanks for listening today. Joining me in the studio is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thanks for being with us. It's great being with you, Jen. I hope you're doing well. I am. Thank you very much. In this morning's e-devotion, you wrote about a Davidism called... Any question is a good question if you don't know the answer. Can can you unpack this a bit for us? I can, Jen, because it's been a life statement that I've lived by for many, many years. Uh, it goes back to the fact that many of us have heard someone say, that's a stupid question. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard anybody say that to you? <laughs> I can't remember exactly, but I've had the feeling. <laughs> yeah, I know, and I have as well. Well, guess what? They were wrong. Mm. When you say that was a stupid question, you're not acknowledging the fact that all of us don't know everything. Any question is a good question if you don't know the answer. Now, where did I learn this from? I learned it from my college coach, Dean Smith, when I played basketball there at the University of North Carolina years ago. I'll never forget one time as the team was gathering together, we just lost a game we should have won. And he said, gentlemen, do you have any questions about how we were supposed to play? And no hand went up at all. That's when he said, gentlemen, Any question is a good question if you don't know the answer to Mm. it. And again, I've never forgotten that moment, and it's always guided me in life to ask questions, even if they seem like they're stupid ones. The truth is, no one knows everything. All of us are deficient in some areas because all people are pupils in the process of learning. Now, Jen, that's important. Note that word pupil because in the Bible, those who follow Jesus are called to be his disciples. That word disciple means learner or a pupil. So when Jesus said that the mission of the church is to make disciples of all people, Matthew 28, 18, Jesus knew that we'd always need to learn more and more and more every single day of our lives. And the best learning comes by, guess what, Jen? Asking questions, questions. sure, to grasp and take in more and more knowledge every single day we live. Therefore, in order to learn, people, listen, ask a lot of questions to your parents, to your teachers, to your mentors, to friends who know things that you don't know. In other words, be a lifelong learner, and especially if you are a leader, you must always be a learner because Mm -hmm. you're you're needing to know new things in order to be successful in life. Mm -hmm. And when you do this, you become a true pupil, then every question becomes a good question if you don't know the answer to it. I love this, David, and I love working with you because I feel like I learned so much from you and I always feel comfortable asking questions about the content that you're bringing forth. It's so good. And I'm thinking about the other side of the coin here is we might not always have the answer either, and that's okay too. That's exactly okay, and really, that should be what motivates us to ask questions, to find the answers that we need as well. Someone once said to me, we should never doubt, and I'm one of those who say, it's okay to doubt if the doubt allows you to ask questions to find the answers. I really believe that doubt should be the ants in the pants of faith (laughs) (laughs) uh, to move us toward finding the answers so that we can believe, and when we do that, again, 
again, every question is a good question if you don't know the answer to it. So good. Thank you so much, David. Well, and thank you listeners for joining me. If you'd like to receive these daily e-blasts from me, A Moment of Hope, please go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can subscribe there. It's my way free of charge giving you daily every morning at 7 a.m. A Moment of Hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. Today's message is from our online worship service, and you can be a part of our service each Sunday morning at both 9 and 11 o'clock by going to momentsofhopechurch.org. And while you're online, be sure to get your free video called The End Times. This is our gift, free for all of our Moments of Hope radio listeners. This informative teaching looks at what the Bible tells us about the end times. Just go to momentsofhopechurch.org backslash listener. Again, that's momentsofhopechurch.org backslash listener. For all of us at Moments of Hope Church, this is Jen Houston. 